Hello, listeners. It's Nick. Um, thank you for downloading this episode. I'm going to ask a question which we haven't asked for a while, and that is, are you interested in sponsoring the show? Now, we've had our sponsors currently for years, um, and we're happy with those. It's nothing to do with that, but we're always interested in looking at other avenues and opportunities, and so thought, what better way than to ask you guys listening? So do you have a small business or something else that you would like to advertise on the podcast? Uh, please get in touch. Drop us an email at disasterdark at gmail.com. Yes, that's right. Disasterdark at gmail.com. I never updated the email address. What's the point? Um, or you can also message us on the Facebook group or on Twitter. Um, if you follow us, our DMs are open. Um, and get in touch, and we'll see if we can negotiate something. And without any further delay, enjoy episode 38 of Disney Parks and Beyond. Welcome to Disney Parks and Beyond, a Disney podcast about theme parks and all things Disney from the After Dark Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Disney Parks and Beyond. I'm Nick, and on this episode so far, I've got Ryan. Hello. And I've got the very talented Mr. Ripley. Bird is the word. <laughs> it is indeed the word. I've heard that. I've heard that rumor before. Good. Uh, we are going to be joined by Mr. D a bit later. Uh, Sinead has threatened to, to come on a bit later on, but she's going to be at least half, if not full cut. So uh, don't don't hold your breath on that one. Uh, and P-Dubs and Craig are both away at the moment. And this is the first time we've ever had this combination. Oh, wow. Really? Exciting stuff. Yeah. I mean, not saying you haven't been on the same podcast or call together, but I mean, this, this, this setup. Well, my contract this. specifically said that I'm not allowed to be on with Ryan. So I, you know. That is a different contract to the one that I, I sent out. I have to have words with Craig because I'm, I'm hearing this a lot. There's a lot of uh, things that people said they sign up to, which I definitely didn't agree to, including payment terms. But there you go. I think what it is, is we're not allowed to be in the same room together. Ah, right. Just, well, to be fair, we're not allowed to be, any of us are allowed to be in the same room. We're, we're not even <laughs> often allowed to be in the same country. Yeah. <laughs> Or the same theme park at the same time <laughs> as Mr. Ripley. So that's actually that's the thing. So mm. I know this is Disney Parks, so we'll talk about Disney Parks, obviously, and Disney stuff in general. But um I found out last week mm. that I am going to be going to um the Chessington World of Adventures later this summer. Wow. I have not been to Chessington World of Adventures since 1999. And <laughs> you know- the samurai had just opened up, which <laughs> I don't even know. Is that a thought park now? The samurai? It's called something else now, anyway. But it was this big, it was this thing that you kind of um you sat in rows. And the idea being that when it kind of started working, it started spinning you around, 
and it tilted upwards, it started to look a bit like a, a shuriken. You know, like a ninja oh, throwing yeah. star. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, I remember. Yeah, and I mean, you know, of course, that's too extreme for Chessington. So it had to be moved. I think Did it might be the park. Crop drop. Yes, I've seen photos of crop drop. Is that Chessington? Yeah, that's Chessington. Oh, okay, that looks quite fun. I think they. Yeah. I've also seen concept art of a new proposed land where there's going to be a couple of coasters. I think they're starting to change it there a little bit. Well, whoever's whoever's on the equivalent Imagineering team at Chessington are starting to maybe add a few more kind of adult esque rides. It's really weird because Chessington was a zoo, wasn't it? And then with like a few theme park rides thrown in. And it had the vampire, which at the time it came out was quite unique, right? Mm. It wasn't really anything like it. And then it kind of, it was seen as a bit more of a kiddie park, but then they started to throw more adult attractions in it. And then, probably about a decade ago, maybe a bit longer, some of those bigger rides then got shipped out to like Thorpe and Alton Towers. Yeah. And it just became pure kiddie land again. So it's interesting that they're now throwing a few more, as you say, like more grown up. You got to, you got to cater, surely. You can't just have a, a, a theme park with just kiddie attractions. No. Walt Disney famously said that it's not the kids that drive across the country to go to the theme parks and pay the admission fees. Do you know why he's right? Because kids aren't allowed to drive. So he's very no. true. That's a, that's a very true statement. No, um, I Legoland because they have those little cars. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to start ranting about Lego Land again. I know they, I know they try, I know they try. Although I, I just read that they've done a soaring attraction. Yeah, that's I mean, just not, not, that, it's not called soaring, obviously, but that ride technology, right? I've heard it's all right, actually, but I, I believe it when I say it. Uh, yeah, well, it's also home to the first Spider-Man ride as well, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk more about that later. That's 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 a that's a good stepping off point. Um, so we always start the show with what everybody's drinking. So it'd be rude for me to not ask what everybody's drinking, especially because I mean I, I obviously don't know what it's like where you guys are, but if it's anything like where I am, it's like a furnace. It's mm-hmm. been a hot day. Um, I went out on my bike earlier. I will say that that's one good thing about going out cycling on a hot day, is that because you're even though you're kind of you know getting hot because your body's moving because you're traveling at speed you also get a really big breeze so that was quite pleasant but uh yeah it was a hot day um so ryan what are you drinking i have got a uh, strawberry and banana smoothie <laughs> what <laughs> no vodka no okay <laughs> fair enough Oh, it beats your normal coffee, I suppose. So, it does, yeah. That, yeah. Um, what about yourself, Mr. Ripley? Are you drinking? Oh, I'm just drinking water. You know what? Actually, I got very. I was gonna. I was gonna use it tonight, and I and I haven't used it tonight. But I will use it maybe for the next record that we do. Um, I've got this bottle. It's called Air Up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a you know like a normal kind of water drinking bottle. But it comes with these discs, which are scented. And yeah. apparently, when you're drinking water, whatever, um, wh- whichever disc you've got, that is what it tricks your mind into thinking you're drinking. Oh. And they've been around for a while. I've seen a couple of these before, but this is um, a relatively recent one. They're just launched in the UK. 
Um, so I, I've I got on like a, a pre-order list or something. So I, I bought a set the other day. I was having sinus issues, and you know, obviously the way that taste works a lot is through your nose, right? That's what they're, they're banking on this. So I haven't tried it yet because I didn't want to have a lackluster experience. So, um, but yeah, so that's going to be interesting because if that works, that's gonna that's gonna be a game changer because mm. walks is boring, right? Mm. So mm. walks is not nice. It's just it's just a bit boring sometimes. So um, if I can trick myself into like I'm drinking something cherry flavored, but actually it's just plain water, then that's that's going to be a good thing. I don't have anything cherry based though. I do have what is becoming a firm favorite on this podcast, uh, a Schoffer Hofer. Nice. I don't know if we're ever going to pronounce it right, but the, the grapefruit beer, I've got one of those. And I've got one of these purely because this was in the fridge and was cold and my hard seltzer, which I was going to drink, was warm so that is now in the fridge and i'll drink that a bit later on so cheers everybody cheers i'm absolutely gutted because i was around my parents at the weekend and my my mum had bought me a bottle of like raspberry gin that i tried the weekend before Mm. and i left the bottle there i was gonna i even added uh like tonic water and diet lemonade to my weekly shop list this week and and have that but the gin bottle is unfortunately still at my parents yeah it's you know I I I'm really wanted to have some of my um, pineapple mango. Is it Captain Morgan's? Yeah, Captain Morgan's. Mm. But I've got no lemonade. Mm. Mm. I didn't have any tonic water, so like, what was I supposed to mix it with? I mean, you can drink it straight, but that's not going to last very long. So <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Um, right, let's go and have a look at what's been going on inside the parts. The Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. So, um, does anybody want to go first? Anyone got a preference here? I mean... So should we should we leave the obvious one till last? Oh, obvious one. Um, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I have no idea what the obvious one is. I've got I've That's got a couple. Best. I've got a couple that are non Avengers related. Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, you just just blew That's it. the obvious one. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you did such a really good job of like going. Oh, let's uh, keep let's, listening. Let's yeah, let's the suspense. So yeah, not about Avengers right now. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, the first one, yeah. obviously, it's Epcot because it's me. Mm. Is that Canada Far and Wide? So the one that replaced the the Martin Short show mm. is going to be closing this summer for oh. some apparent reason. They haven't actually confirmed as to why it is. Um, doesn't show the attraction is not being shown under refurbishment. Um, just that it's going to be closed which is a bit odd, given that it only opened, what, last year? Uh, only last year, I think. I think it opened last January. Yeah, it's not been open long. Like, 
considering how long that Canada film had been running for. Yeah, and then this new one opened, yeah, January 2020. Um, mm. I've heard rumours that they might be using the building for some something to do with food and wine. But, I mean, that seems a bit odd. There's plenty of other space available for that. And also as well, surely, like that, not, not the whole idea of food and wine, but if you've got all these little stands doing food and wine stuff, why would you then take a actual pavilion and take the attraction, close the attraction down to put food in it? Well, they, they have that massive building um, that's a part way into World Showcase where they usually host like the cheer competitions and stuff in. Why would they not use that? Like I'm just reading a few comments and apparently they have used this space before as like air conditioned space for food and wine, uh, food and drink offerings during the first one of the festivals. But it would it does seem very strange to use this as a like close an attraction to put a few food stops in when they all work perfectly fine outside. Yeah, and as you say, the fact that it's such a new film um, as well is the thing that is odd. Did you, because um, I mean, obviously to me, Martin Short is quite synonymous with the parks because, mm. you know, he did, obviously the kind of film, he did Cinemagique as well yep. um, over in Paris. Um, and he's done various things for Disney over the years. He's done some voiceover work and what have you. Um, but did you know he did another um, attraction at Bush Gardens mm, that was ever so slightly racist? <laughs> um, he played a Moroccan man, oh, God. and it was like a, a it was basically a Star Tours ripoff, but it was kind of like Star, Star Tours mixed with I don't know, like soaring or something, because you went around Egypt. Um, and, and around Africa um, and I can't even remember it was something tours but um, he was in it and Eugene Levy uh, was in the film as well um, but yeah he, he, he kind of um, he kind of darkened up oh dear for the role yeah it was um, and it wasn't that long ago as well like it was like late 90s I think it was, the was, it, was there for about seven years yes yeah. yeah, but it was a bush garden, so I mean, I've never been to bush, so I I don't know too much about it. But uh, yeah, I just think it's it's funny to mention Martin Short. Like but um, the most recent one has got Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara in it. What the, the new Canada film? Canada Far and Wide. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. They are essentially the Canadian tourist board right now. Yeah. They? Oh yeah. You know, Shit's Creek and Kim's Convenience. That is the the Canada tourist board right now. Yeah. So I, I would think this would come back, but it does it does seem a bit odd when we're still in the middle of a pandemic to close an attraction and potentially put food stops in it, but that's not been confirmed yet. No. I mean, the only benefit I could see is it is it near or above Le Cellier? It, the attraction is very close to Le Cellier. So they could use the kitchen, I suppose, but again, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? You know. Yeah, that's. Uh... We'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Do you remember, Nick, Probably back not. in the day when yeah. the Cellier was the ADR you had to get? Oh, I remember that. Oh, oh, hello. Oh, God. Mr. D is here. It's like rocking our shit. Yeah. I, <laughs> it was. I, so I must have confessed this before, but we had booked for our honeymoon, we had Grand Floridian and 
um, Le Cellier. We'd booked, so Grand Floridian was going to be the meal of our actual anniversary. And I think Le Cellier was maybe the day after or something. And we'd had such a good meal in Grand Floridian, I cancelled Le Cellier. You mean Cali Grill? Uh, what did I say? Grand Floridian, but yeah. I, think I, I know what you meant. Yeah, 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 I remember yeah, 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 you told yeah. me you'd gone there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, sorry. Yeah. But basically, the two biggest reservations that were the hardest to get was Le Cellier and the fireworks crews for illuminations. Wow. Yeah. But you know how they fixed Le Cellier and they made it a bloody signature, didn't they, for, uh, for dinner? Made yeah. it a two, two table credit. That's what mm. sourced it. That yeah, it's, it is a really small restaurant, though. I mean, it's, mm, very it's not dark. surprising. Yeah, not surprising. It was hard to. Uh, in in my defence, in my defence, when I cancelled that reservation, I didn't realise I wouldn't be going back to Disney World for over ten years. I thought I was going to be going back in a year or two. So I thought that's okay. Well, I'll cancel the study A, but we'll we'll make sure that's our main. You know, that's the big meal we have uh, on our return. Well, it just never Nick. Happened. Just think, just think of the Karen who was hovering there trying to get an ADR at the last minute and then your one came up. Yeah. yeah. Someone's vacation. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, like I didn't like I did cancel it because like you said, you know, I was very on the ball with getting my reservations. I know it's different again now, but um, you know, so this was like uh, 2010. Um, but I made sure I cancelled it. I think either the day before, maybe that morning. And and that was the hope that I thought someone is going to do that. Because the thing is, we had that on a holiday. Like, I think we was trying to, I think we were trying to go back to 50s prime time and we couldn't get a slot um, when we was in the park. And I thought, I'll just, just check back a few times during the day and see, and a, and a slot opened up. So it works, you know, yeah. it does work if you do that. But um, yeah, yeah Lucilia now for me would be bloody boring, wouldn't it? Well, am I allowed to have the bread? I know hey, the bread's the, good, the, but... The, the pretzel bread is good. What about the cheddar cheese soup? Would you have that? Uh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, there you go. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm veggie. I don't... I, I avoid uh, a lot of cheese and stuff, but I don't... I don't... I will eat it, so... Yeah. You just have the poutine without the gravy. That's oh, it. man, poutine, like, that is something I've always wanted to try. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, that poutine's poutine. awesome. That yeah, poutine great. place in, in uh, Disney Springs is also fantastic. Yeah, I tell you what, Nick. If we're ever in the, um, the cellar at the same time, you order the steak, and I'll give you the potatoes. None of the steak. Oh, you are you are a gent. You are <laughs> an absolute gent. That's why it's why I like you, Ryan. Well, I like you all, <laughs> but especially like you. Um, okay. Oh, look. Before we go on to the next news item, because Mister D is now here, Mister D, what are you drinking? I am drinking gin and tonic. Oh, classic. Ooh, just you- just simple gin and tonic. Yeah, I've got. Uh, I was drinking a Schofferhofer. <laughs> oh, Schofferhofer. Yeah. Ah. So I didn't know if we might have been drinking the same. So now it's been popular right now. Nah, my Schofferhofers. I've shot the bolt with Schofferhofer. Uh, it's gone. They are getting harder to find again now. Mm. Always the way you find something you like and then you can't can't get it. Um, Mr. Ripley, was there anything that's uh, taken your fancy? Uh, well, there is this. Is- is it a rumor or is it confirmed? The 150 point bar. That's confirmed. confirmed. Yeah, it's confirmed. Yeah. Confirmed, is it? Wow. It's a f- effect of uh, June 3rd. So it's already in effect. Wow. So, so go on. What, what, explain for someone who doesn't understand points. What does this mean? 
Well, the, uh, I mean, you can. I assume you can buy. Can you buy less, but you get yeah. you don't get the blue card. That's right. You can buy less. You can buy it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically, if you want the blue card, um, you've got to buy points directly and be more than 150 points. And of course, points at the moment have been going up a lot recently. So yeah, the, big buying. Probably on average, you're talking about thirty thirty thousand dollars now to buy. Mm. 150 points direct from Disney. That's at $200 a point, which the only ones that are cheaper than that. Um, uh, OQS is 165. Saratoga Springs just went up recently. Um, so they may put OQS up. Um, Animal Kingdom, I think, is still like 185 a point. But everything else pretty much is, I mean, unless you're talking about Vero Beach or Hilton Head or something, everything else is pretty much up $200 or, or above. I, mean, I notice, I notice, um, I know this isn't concrete, right? Because obviously it varies on where you stay and what you have, but just roughly what is 150, like how many nights does 150 points mm, good get Good question. It's a good question. Well, I mean, it could probably get you, I don't know, two weeks or more at an Animal Kingdom studio car park view. About, yeah, I mean, if you could get one of those value rooms, which are, again, um, like Rock and Horse do-do. Mm. I didn't realise we were recording when I said that, by the way. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, I did that one. But um, if you're going to. But, yeah. um, I mean, on average, you're probably looking at 10 nights a year. But two, two weeks, I mean, more than two weeks in a studio. Unless you're going to go for something like the Grand Floor or something like that. But something like Animal Kingdom, you could get eight, nine nights, 10 nights for most of the year. Mm. And the reason I ask that is because, I mean, for for guests in the UK, we would normally go for two weeks at a minimum, right? But most Americans don't. They don't have the same vacation time that we do. Um, They're probably not going to spend as much time there, at least in one go. Like they might, they might go twice a year or something. I don't know. Um, But it's a lot. That's a lot of points to to have mm. isn't it it is it is when you think that most americans you know typically I'm, i think i'm still right in saying this it certainly was the case when i worked for an american company um they don't get as many holidays as we do i mean typically here you get at least 25 days holiday a year plus the public holidays i, yeah. I think i'm right in saying that the company I worked for, when you first joined, I think it was two weeks you got, so 10 days. Yeah. And it went up to 15 days after maybe five years. And then it went up to uh, 20 days, but it was like after 10 years, I think. So most Americans wow. don't have as many holidays as we've got. No. And to, so, to have to commit to 150 points, because the other alternative is you, can, you, you end up blowing your points then you end up staying in the grand floor for four or five nights or three or four nights or whatever it is, depending on what time of year. One night in a bungalow in the poly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. One, one, probably one midweek night um, in a bungalow. But, yeah, I was, I was listening to a, another podcast. I mean, I'll, I'll give my mention, nothing to do with us, but it was uh, my DVC Points newscast, and they were talking about it. And the reason why I mention it is because it does – it does kind of resonate with me, really. You know, it's we've talked about it quite quite a lot. The Disney 
seem to have this strategy of, you know, they've been so successful at filling the parks all year round now that they're trying to get more money from people. You know, they're premiumizing everything, whether it be these Halloween boo bashes that are coming up, which are super expensive for what you're getting. And now, you know, DVC and some of the other after after hours events. It really does seem like that is actually the strategy. I mean, I I kind of resisted believing it for a long time, but I think I I think I've come around to believing it that, you know, it's about it's about getting people there that have got a lot of cash, basically, you know, premiumize everything and get them to spend a lot of money. Um, the problem in- with DVC is that it can't go on forever because they physically can't. They cannot keep building a new hotel every other year. Yes, they can. No. It's impossible. No, they can't. They really can't because eventually, not only will they run out of space, I know that sounds silly, but that is true, but also they will have too many hotel rooms. And they won't small, be able to a small them. world, a small world apartment and suites. What are you talking about? <laughs> Start building in the park. <laughs> but when you, when you think about it, Chris, I mean the they they've done a mix, haven't they? I mean, if you think about, you know, like Copper Creek, Polynesian, now that the recent one, the Grand Floor, you know, they aren't actually adding room capacity. They're they're converting rooms from cash rooms to DVC rooms. Mm. Now I know they added Riviera, and that was an out and out ad, and so would Reflections be if that ever comes to pass. Um, but um, yeah, you know they're. They're adding some rooms, but more more than that, I think they've converted. The the problem is, is all businesses, in some regard, have a, a ceiling, they have a cap on mm-hmm. how much they can actually physically sell. And yeah. unless they were to completely extend or, or or overhaul or build a new theme park and have new experiences, it's mm-hmm. it's impossible for them to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of rooms all just sitting there doing nothing yeah there's just not the physical customer base plus we're again getting so expensive now Mm -hmm. i mean i mean genuine question for you how long before the minimum buy-in to get the blue card on dvc is more expensive than a club 33 membership yeah but a a club 33 membership is a yearly cost isn't it yeah i don't but you get yeah, I get your drift with that yeah. everything, you know. I don't think they can push it much above this. I mean, I might be wrong because it wasn't that long ago. It was twenty-five points was the minimum. You know, it's going <laughs> up and up and up. But I just, it's just that time thing, you know. It's a, it's a hell of a lot. Yeah, it's a big investment. You know, looking at at least thirty thousand dollars to buy in and get your mm. blue card. More than that, if you're going to buy these grand floor villas, because they're definitely going to be above that. Um, and and it's just that thing of that there must be there's got to be a sweet spot, you know, where beyond that people say, well, I you know I I, I don't need two hundred points or two hundred and fifty points a year, um, and I, okay, I could rent them out to somebody else, but that's hassle. I don't want that hassle, you know. The so, thing is, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. That's well, no, I was going to say the thing is, is that JPEG put. DVC in with the theme park money. And of course, now the theme park money is in with consumer products. Mm. And the theme park money for the last few years has been really stagnant. Yeah. This is pre-COVID. So it's even worse Mm. now. So DVC has been this cash cow that has basically shored up the accounts for the theme parks. 
But you can't keep doing that because he's doing that, obviously, to keep the share price up, keep the shareholders happy. But you Mm -hmm. physically cannot keep building new hotels every year. It's just impossible. And there will be eventually, and it won't affect the members. It will only affect Disney as a company. Eventually, Mm -hmm. there will be a massive, massive falling out over this. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a there is a ceiling for it. It's a the, the, bit like the thing, a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> where they're being a bit clever, though, I think, um, is what I talked about a minute ago. Where yeah, they have built some new resorts, but they've obviously converted a load of rooms. They could convert those rooms back to cash rooms if they wanted yeah, to, or yeah, or keep can't. them as DVC but sell the excess inventory. Well, if they if they aren't selling the points, is what I mean. Obviously, if they've sold the points then they've sold the points. But that means they've been successful. If they haven't sold the points, like Riviera, there's still a load that haven't been sold. They can they can sell those rooms out for cash until they are all sold out. Do you know what I mean? So they have got some, I guess they've got some levers they could operate to go faster or slower on the DVC, depending on how well things are selling out. But I think those grand flow ones will, will go in a heartbeat. I think they'll sell so, it really so, fast. So with this... So it's now it's 150 points. What was it until beginning of June? What was what was 125? Mm. So it's gone up. It's gone up 25 points, right? Yeah. What about if they turn around later this year and they say if you buy Riviera, you can get a blue card with 120 points? Do you think that's beyond, you know that's within the realms of possibility that that is that's an incentive to sell the Riviera if it's not selling? Is that here's an incentive for you? You get a better rate, or you get you get you know your discount if you buy less points to buy the Riviera. Well, the problem is, is they've never done that, and I, I imagine there's probably a very good legal reason for that. And I imagine the only reason is, is what about all the people that have bought 150 point contracts for that yeah. purpose? Suddenly, yeah. you know. A few months, years later, now it's gone back down to 100. Could they leave themselves open to be sued over that? I think what I think what they could do, though, Nick, just to, to kind of build on your point, is they could offer deals like you know if which they've done in the past. I that's yeah. not a new, it's not a new thing, but they could say, okay, 150 points gets you your blue card. We'll we'll give you you know we'll give you 20 dollars a point off or something like that. You know, there's all sorts of things. But yeah, so just to go back to you know what this means to get a blue card which is the to get the membership extras right so it's only the extras we're talking about if you buy resale you get you know apart from the riviera which is a kind of unique thing you get the same access and privileges and booking rights and everything else as anybody who buys direct the only thing you don't get are the extras the interesting thing is they've they've put this up to 150 right now and most of the extras aren't even available right now Mm. Annual passes gone, dining gone, mm. moonlight magic gone, mm. right? <laughs> cruises, member cruises gone. gone now, yeah. These things will come back, obviously, but it just makes me wonder if, if actually they aren't gonna plus these things up in some way. Whether you know, so when they come back, there's some really tasty perks to make you spend you know, the money to get 150 points. That isn't the case right now. So it's, a, it's an odd time to do it when they're struggling to sell Riviera. Grand Floor hasn't gone on sale yet. They've still got a Lanny on their books. Um, the and, one these, thing I, and these perks aren't there. 
those perks, some of them are actually paid for by the membership. So although it's not physically coming out of your pocket, it's percentage-wise, it is coming out of your pocket. Mm, so yeah. it's interesting that some of these things they've stopped. So where's the money going? Yeah. Yeah, where's pocket. it going? Yeah. I saw just kind of related to all of this, uh, we were talking about kind of cost cutting and Disney putting prices up. I saw a really good throw on Twitter, which um, I'm just gonna just gonna read out because it's quite interesting. So this is from a guy on Twitter who some of you may have heard of called Super Super Weenie Hut Junior. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he likes just poking his oar in and upsetting people on his Twitter, which is why I like him. Um, <laughs> but he said on a couple, few days ago, so he said, "Here's where I'm at with." Walt Disney World. Um, I'm clear, I'm very fine with them running their business however they want. I'll check out new attractions when they open them occasionally. Gone completely other weeks we used to spend uh, uh, squeezing as much as possible into five to seven days. There's always been a premium attached, but that premium carried a significant ease of enjoyment with park pass, boarding groups, insane party prices, reduction of entertainment slash resort services, so Magical Express, boat rentals, and poor transportation. It's become unwieldy. Um, it's not just me. I'm seeing the diehards of DVC, 20-year-plus annual pass holders, just absolutely frustrated with the decline of service and the lack of clarity. Nothing ever has ever matched Walt Disney World as a, as a holistic resort destination. I don't know if anything will ever achieve the 1990s level of amazement again. Um, I'll just enjoy it for what it was while laughing at how many hoops they keep putting everyone through. Um, case in point there's no tram running in the magic kingdom parking lot for absolutely no reason you can see that abomination from space making your guests walk a country mile to get to a monorail that is more confined is the epitome of greed yeah mm. it's pretty Which harsh. Is, it's, <laughs> but fair. yeah so i think right we'll see what i think this is going to be a an ongoing picture because you know there's all sorts of questions around what effect is this going to have on sales? What's going to happen with Riviera? Because as far as I'm aware, it, it still isn't selling as well as they had hoped it no. would. And it's that stupid clause, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the resale clause. Yeah, what I didn't realise, though, allegedly, because I heard this on another podcast, a different one. Stop listening to other podcast, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah, well, this one is actually on the network, though. Right. Oh, okay. That's okay. fair enough. <laughs> this was the Brits Guide to DVC. So it's Kevin's podcast, but he had a lady on there from a resale company and she's ex Disney. And I don't know if this is true or not, but she said that the the resale restrictions for Riviera are, are only at this point in time built into Riviera. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens to these Grand Floridian. The the the, mm. the theory is that those won't have the resale restrictions because they're part of the same condominium association whatever that means well um, the thing is we'll see the thing is those where they've done it with wilderness lodge they are completely separate yeah so, but the yeah you yeah. know but there won't yeah. be i don't think there'll be many studios because the building that they're converting is is not very big so you I know think, they're going to be small uh, numbers i think 200 of us it's, it's quite That's reasonable. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, though, Maybe I, think, I think you're probably right, though, in that unless they... I think the only way they could get out of doing something like that is if they called it um, the tower at the Grand Floridian or something. Like, if it's part of the same... Of, yeah. of something that's existing, then you can't turn around and say, well, this is 
different because then you're segregating uh, an existing setup. But if you convert it into something else or you call it something else, maybe that's a loophole that they could exploit. That isn't what it appears to be, what they're doing, but... I don't think legally they can extend an existing property unless they extend the same price that they were sold at. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And and Ryan, you're you're probably the next person that's going to be looking at, into this kind of thing. Mm. Um, had you had you thought about how many points you'd even consider uh, looking at? And does this change in the, uh, the the minimum to get the blue card? Does that change your thoughts on it at all? Well, I definitely, you know, if I, if I would go, if I wanted to invest in it, I would definitely want to go for like all in, get make sure I get the blue card. Um, and to be honest, the reason I've not hit the trigger on it because I'd want probably two weeks worth of points a year at least um, because that's how often I go out there you know in a normal world you know if all goes to plan this year and next year I've currently got four trips planned to Florida in you know 18 months mm. potentially so you know it, over time it, it kind of all adds up to me but in the next 10 years it becomes very expensive way of doing it and you know i'd want to go for the lodge as well which is definitely our what we would consider our home resort even though we're not currently investing well animal kingdom lodge yeah 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 Yeah. well i mean you know that's one that is no one of the cheaper resorts that you can buy direct from disney um like i say i think it was 186 dollars a point direct from disney you can get it on resale for somewhere around 130 100 135 130 probably more like but you gotta you you have got to do your homework you've got to look at to me the, the the main reason for buying the the blue card is not to get the extras it's to protect yourself against anything that disney might do in the future to mm. be to be in that protection bubble um yeah. because to be honest especially for a uk guest i would say that the extras are very, very limited. I mean, you've got the annual pass discount, fine, but I've looked at that and it, it isn't a great deal because of the tickets that we get in the UK because mm, they're so good. Yeah. It's not a good um, deal. Yeah, and then Moonlight Magic, good luck with that because it sells oh. up really fast. <laughs> it, it only gets announced, I think, relatively soon in advance. So you'll, you'll already have booked your trip probably before they announce the dates, and then it goes fast. Um, and yeah, there's some merchandise and some dining, but if you pay for an annual pass, um, you know, you can you can still get a Tales of Wonderland card and you get merchandise. So, you know, buying resale and then paying for a, an annual pass, if, if the annual pass makes sense, or buying one annual pass between your group and, and using UK tickets for the rest of it, <laughs> To me, that just seems like a better deal. It's it's a hell of a lot extra to pay for just those things. Mm. It does yeah, sound a little I bit would. like what they've done with or what Disneyland Paris did when it was Euro Disney with the shareholders club and the shareholders mm. card. Mm. So I think initially it starts off at something like five shares. Yeah, it did. then it went up to ten. Yeah. Then it went up to fifty. I think mm. that's when I bought in, and then it was going up again to I mm. think it went up to a hundred. Uh, I think it did, yeah. Discount, uh, which yeah. I did because I had the money at the time, so I did it. Um, and then, of course, they've scrapped it because obviously they they sold yeah. out the shares. So, um, 
I mean, I, was, I mean, I say that I've still got my card now. It was valid for an, an extra 10 years once they bought our shares out. Uh, but we've obviously lost almost two years because of COVID. So, which, and that's not being added on to the end of it. So that's, uh, that's a shame. But Disney, well, the point I was making was Disney have, have got um, habits of doing that. And just because I mentioned Disneyland Paris, uh, by the time this episode goes out, you have got hours, just mere hours to cancel your annual pass before they add an extra 60 days on top of it. Uh, my wife and my daughter's annual passes were cancelled today. I haven't made a decision yet on what I'm doing with mine. I might let it roll over. I might cancel it. I, I'm not too sure. Uh, but either way, um, get on it. And if you didn't know about it, well, that's why we've got a Discover DLP. We've got a Disneyland Paris podcast just specifically for this stuff. Stop listening to this. Listen to that. And you, you know all this stuff and you'd have done it already, but that's by the by. Just going back to that Grand Floridian thing, it is. It's 200 studios. Wow. But I did 200 studios. How? I don't see how they're going to do that. In that well, building. it's because it's basically a, a room. So they're it's just like converting a hotel room into a studio. Mm-hmm. It's all studios. No, no. Oh, so this is going to be the cheapest refurb in history, then, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, yeah, they're not going to start it until I think it's spring 2022. And it's gonna it's gonna be um, available later in 2022. So it's about six months refurb. I think. Wow, that's Jeez. the quickest ever. Yeah, 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 super quick. Can I just say as well? I completely agree with everything you said there about the blue card. Um, and then just to add, for six years I tried to get a Moonlight Magic. That's how difficult they are to get. Mm. And then in February 2020, when they released some of them for that autumn, I managed to get two tickets. To the yeah. Moonlight Magic in September 2020. Yeah. Can, I, can, oh. I just, can I just say, if anyone does want to get a Moonlight Magic, um, just take a weekend to Orlando with Craig and you'll be able to get some Moonlight Magic. Um, Ryan, this is a story that's going to hopefully prick up your ears. Um, it's about the Epcot... Epcot. <laughs> I didn't say it. It's easy for you to say. No, don't tell me about it. <laughs> Edit myself. The Epcot International Food and Wine Festival presented by Corksicle. Awful name. Um, I don't. I don't know. Obviously, a wine company. Um, details of that came. Corksicle. No, no. Cork. <laughs> Corksicle. Um, yeah. It's going to run uh, from the fifteenth of July until the twentieth of November. Ooh. 129 days of fun for the entire family. That's a long time, Ooh. isn't it? That's it an is. awful long time. I think, anyway. Sure mm. is. So, yeah, just, just to confirm, Corsicle are uh, a presenting sponsor and uh, they'll be giving uh, beverages away. An exclusive keepsake Corsicle premium beverage container. Sounds like hip flask to me. There you go. Um, got some breaking news. Just one second on that. Yeah. Um, just because this is interesting. Oh, well, I think it's interesting. As well as the usual stuff, there's also going to be some Ratatouille stuff. There's going to be Remy's Ratatouille Hide and Squeak. A oh. savoury scavenger hunt around the festival. Um, and you can also participate in Emile's Fromage Montage. They've also, um, <laughs> there is no Eat to the Beat concert series this year as well. Oh, yes. wow. God, yeah, no. well, it makes sense. So they've got, they've got, um, 
local bands from Central Florida re- performing popular songs. That will be <laughs> another joy. Jesus, yeah. Hanson, Hanson must be getting very suicidal at that news. Yeah. Um, Mr. Ripley, what's breaking? Uh, Space 220, the restaurant at Epcot, is apparently going to be open in the next few months. Wow. wow. I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Mm. I think Probably the concept is really interesting. That. Yeah, it's good to see them doing a themed restaurant. Haven't done one for quite a while, have they? No. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Oh, yeah, I've just seen actually that they're hiring a load of um, astronauts. For space, for space, yeah, astronauts. <laughs> uh, weirdly named very different for, for this restaurant cook bartender server some strange astronaut roles sounds, there, sounds there like a game of Cluedo it's a cooking or cooking yeah yeah gastro no okay um, gastronaut that's it that's the word I was looking gastronaut. for gastronaut yeah there you go you know that one for free mm. um, Mr D is there anything you wanted to talk about uh did we talk about fireworks testing in Epcot? Uh, I been, don't think we did talk about no, fireworks testing. There's been some significant fireworks testing going on. It's been spotted, videoed, uh, Instagrammed, YouTubed, and all the rest of it. Um, so it looks like they're getting ready to fire up Harmonious. I mean, I think it's a safe bet to say that it will be there by the 50th of October. But it sounds like it, it, sounds like it may be there before that. I'd like to believe that they may have it in place for maybe Fourth of July, something like that. But that's, that's just a scurrilous rumor. Game plan, isn't it? You would think so, wouldn't you? Plan. Yeah, you'd think so. Uh, but yeah, certainly looks like they're kicking off with that. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, the, the, the some of the posts I read, they were talking about fifteen minutes of fireworks. So it does sound like it's fairly significant on the fireworks side of things, which. I think um, I think that's good. I mean, I mean, obviously, fireworks aren't that great from an environmentally friendly perspective, but uh, not in Animal Kingdom, are we? So it doesn't matter. Yeah, Illuminations was was a great show, and I just hope that Harmonious is going to be at least as good, if not better, because the mm. price you're going to have to pay for it is looking at the barges during the day, which are which are pretty big, even. You know, even though they're supposed to have like fountains and things like that, hopefully that'll be successful. But, uh, but yeah, it does sound like they're, they're getting close or uh, testing out. I saw the, the video footage and the fireworks do look pretty spectacular. And I think, mm. much as I enjoy Happy Ever After, I think my only criticism of it would be that I, I find personally, um, I find it quite difficult to you've either, you've either got to concentrate on the castle or the fireworks, mm. yes, and uh, dep- depending on where you're at, you can't, you can't. Try try and watch both properly. So yeah. I'm hoping that they they get this kind of mix of screen based stuff and water effects and fireworks right with this one. Yeah, yeah, hope so. So let's go back a show. Um, we were talking about the still awfully named, in my opinion, Boobash. I mean, it sounds suspiciously to see like things I've been invited to before, which I've had to turn down. Um, but we've got the prices for it now. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it has sent eruptions through the Disney fan mm-hmm. community. Um, people on both sides. We've we've seen um, re- respectable arguments in our own Facebook group about this. Um, but elsewhere, it's, it's probably been a bit more volatile. 
Um, so the details are, um, it's going to be from half past nine until half past 12 in the morning. Uh, so, well, half past nine at night till half past 12 in the morning. Um, it, I think that varies a little bit, Nick, depending on, it on does. when. There are, there are, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some nights when it's nine till 12, but yeah, it's, it's the same, same duration. Mm-hmm. You'll also be able to get into the park from seven o'clock with a boo bash ticket. Yeah. So that is something else as well, which people have pointed out. What I find interesting is the prices. Um, DVC members get ten dollars off. Wow, I know. <laughs> it's worth that blue card. That's your thirty grand. Um, well worth it. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, in August and September, it's one hundred twenty-nine dollars per adult. Jesus Christ. Um, in October, that price increases to one hundred and fifty-nine. Except for on Halloween itself, when it goes up to one hundred ninety-nine per person. Yeah. Um, now, one of the one of the things that was pointed out by I think it was Simon um, was that he's not going to have park tickets because he's not planning to go to Disney, but he would possibly consider this. So for him, um, if he went in for one of these dates in August and September, one hundred twenty nine dollars is pretty much the price of a day ticket. And of course, you can get in there from seven. And you know, his view of that is well, if I'm getting it at seven and it's a ticketed event, which means there's going to be, um, you know, only so many people allowed, it means he can probably run around and do all the attractions that he would like to have done uh, and would have had to have queued for or, or got certainly uh, fast passes. So, I, 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 you know, there is an argument there if that's definitely... the way to do it, it makes a bit of sense, but. I still think it's ridiculously overpriced. Yeah, I mean, if, but like, my issue with it is you get it at seven, fine, but the, the attractions won't die down until nine. Yeah. Um, and then, I, I mean, even with Mickey's Not So Scary, where you've got a lot more on offer and the party duration is longer, you, there's always that you have to weigh up do I go and do the candy stops and meet characters or do I go on the ride? You, there's no time to do everything in those three hours. Yeah, have they right. got the candy stops coming back for this boo bash? They've got candy stops, but there's no yeah. parade, there's yeah. no fireworks, and you can see characters but not meet them. Yeah, it's going to be like selfie points. <laughs> Mind you, it used to be like that anyway. There used to be such long queues for yeah. these characters, you know. But I, I mean, that's certain. I mean, I remember when we went, um, the last time and we had to queue, I think, for about 45 minutes maybe to meet the, the seven dwarfs. Because they're not normally all out together, yeah. so that was that was good. But most of the other characters, you were waiting probably five ten minutes. It wasn't last really last time I did Mickey's Not So Scary. It was or it was hell. Like they'd sold too many tickets. I remember doing it for the first time. I don't know, maybe five or six, probably actually seven or eight years ago. And yeah. the event was really good because it, it wasn't rammed. Yeah, yeah. there were you were queues for candy and queues for characters, but they weren't crazy. But yeah. in 2019, it was like just a normal day at the park. It was that busy. It was. We were there. That year. Yeah, we were there that year, same year. And it was. It was. It was pretty busy. I mean, obviously, it depends when you go. But if you want to go anywhere near Halloween, it, it is really busy, especially on the weekends. And I also remember, you know, we went. We first went in '98, and it was amazing. I mean, it was. You walk on anything. 
could, yeah. you know, at the end of the night, there was a dance party with a whole bunch of characters. And it was like six kids just dancing with the characters. They had like one character each. You know? mm. It was just unbelievable. But I, um, I went in 99 and we did Thunder Mountain eight times round without stopping. Yeah. yeah. Just kept going. He said, do you want to go again? Yeah, okay. Mm. Eight times we went round. And we, I remember one year, I don't remember which year it was, but it was in those earlier days. And we went trick-or-treating at the end of the night. And they told us we have an allegation for each night and we got loads of candy left. How much do you want? And we literally couldn't. <laughs> we filled up everything we could possibly fill up. Pockets, hats, everyone. <laughs> That's a top it was ridiculous. later on in the event because they've got to get rid of the candy. Like as in, yeah. not in the, like the calendar late in the event. So, you mm-hmm. know, if it goes that, past, those memories that that for me is is Disney. That that yeah. is that that's yeah. what made Disney so magical for me growing up. Yeah. And even to be honest, over the last ten years, throughout my twenties, and my last trip, this there was still an element to that. But I do, yeah. I do I worry definitely... about the traffic's rain. It is, it is, it's not. Yeah, it, they're losing it. I mean, so I gotta say, right? We, we went in twenty nineteen, and and it was busier, but it was it was awesome. I mean the. The Halloween fireworks have definitely been plussed up since mm. since the beginning. the The parade has massively been plussed up. I mean, it always was a good parade, but you know, in particular, the haunted mansion floor is just amazing. You know, the grave diggers and the ballroom dancers and things like that, just really, really good. So, it is the full Mickey's Not So Scary is still a fantastic night out, um, but. But it's going to be busier than it than it used to be. There's no no doubt about that. But just to put that, just to put the boo bash in perspective, you know, so that range is 129 to 189 dollars. That's 50 to 64 dollars more expensive than Mickey's Not So Scary mm-hmm. for a shorter time in the parks, three hours. And I know you get in early, but you got in earlier with Mickey's Not So Scary as well. Got in at three. Yeah, yeah, you got in earlier, you got your wristband. Um, and obviously, although they are putting some some pretty good stuff on, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of unusual characters, different characters, but it isn't going to have the full impact of the, the Boo to You parade and Halloween. So it's a hell of a lot more money for, for less stuff. So I'd, And the Hocus Pocus show was great as well. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good show. And that's the thing, like, I'll be honest, like, at the prices we're talking about, if we were getting what you got for Mickey's Not So Scary, I'd say, okay, well, it's probably worth the money. It's still a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but, you know, as you said, that parade is fantastic, the fireworks are amazing, you get stuff that's completely unique to the event, with the added extras of the characters and the candy stops and, you know, the, the short queue times and all that kind of stuff you seem to get a lot of value for money if you make the most of it. This to me doesn't. And, you know, uh, one of the other arguments was, well, you know, some at least the early kind of uh, pricing, that's not that dissimilar to when they've done things like the Villains event that was an after-hours event. Mm. And, yeah, I completely get that. But then those events were aimed at a very specific kind of market. It was supposed to be quite a low-key thing. And the you know the price kind of reflected it this yeah. isn't this is supposed to be your alternative to mickey's not so scary 
starting much too late for kids really to get the most out of it because they're going to be absolutely like cream crackered by you know an hour and a half in um it just yeah i i just Ooh. i can't see the positives with this at all well i just don't understand that like, with you with the fact that the mask mandates in Florida, you know, let's ignore the rest of the country for a second, but mask mandates in Florida have relaxed. All of the, pretty much all um, social distancing markers are starting to be removed from the parks now. They're loading every single row in attractions in Disney World. What is the reason for not running Mickey's Not So Scary other than the, the fact that they can pay, they don't have to hire any seasonal staff, well, as many seasonal staff in to do all the various different shows and things, and they can charge a premium because they're calling it an after-hours event. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they might not have all the staff back and trained well, and, and ready to go. That's, that's a the, big issue for the minute. That is their next biggest yeah. problem because they have pissed off so many people by unnecessarily furloughing them and not treating them very well. And, of course, obviously, other providers like Universal, uh, employers, I mean, like Universal, are paying more an hour. So they're going to really struggle. And if they think they can just round up a load of people from universities across the globe to work for free, look at the way they treated them back a few months ago, ones that were on the programme. So well, they all got sent back and not been invited back. As far no. as I, Well, I only knew one person in the UK that was on the college programme. As far as I was, I was aware, like that was terminated and they hadn't been invited back um when they've kind of reopened the scheme so well no the scheme the scheme is us only currently right uh, they haven't opened the international one yet right no, no they won't um but they have said that to anyone who is on the national scheme who got let go early has 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 had first dibs and coming back but mm. the point still stands they treated them terribly and like basically kept them in waiting and not not really helping them to try and get back no, no. yeah so i don't i don't i don't think the answer your question on it i don't think they're ready to to ramp up to that that sort of level the, the interesting thing will be you know how many people they let in for this so is this going to be uh you know we're going to charge you a lot for it and it's going to be quite exclusive and you'll be able to walk on stuff and in which case kind of understand where they're going with it don't don't necessarily agree with it but understand where they're going with it or is it is it going to be you know squeeze in as many people as they can because by September, October, they're probably going to be getting close to being up at full capacity, I would have thought. And the other thing as well, and I'm going to come to you with another question in a minute, Mr. Ripley, but the other thing with this as well, with the pricing and what people, you know, people on both sides of the fence, there will be people that will be priced out of this. And there will also be people that, you know, when they go to Disney, money's no object. So it doesn't matter that they put the prices up because people will pay it. So what's going to be really interesting is how many tickets they're going to be selling for each night, but also how many nights they actually do end up selling out. Because that's the real barometer. As long as Disney make enough money to make it justified to do it, this will happen. And, and just, the thing is, you know as well as I do, right? If this, if this event this year goes really well at the prices they're selling, when Mickey's Not So Scary hopefully comes back next year, or at least the event, you know, whether they rename it Boo Bash forever, I don't know. But whatever we get next year, if that has the praise and has the fireworks and everything like that, that could be the new pricing for it. That could be the new ticket prices for that event because it's been seen as successful. And Disney are 
a company that makes money. They're not a company to give away money. So if they can squeeze you, they'll do it. They, they will. I mean, there's a couple of, there's a sort of slightly different factor here, though. I mean, in terms of is it going to sell out, I think if they make it limited, very limited capacity, it will sell out because there's so many people desperate to go that, that I think it will. I mean, you've only got to look at what happened in California. Um, I mean, that was that was pretty successful. And that, that was, you were getting even less for your money. Okay, it was a lower price point, but um, it was basically just going to the park and eat food and take pictures. Um, the thing the, is... Go ahead, Chris. The thing is, is that they are projecting that they will get less people. That's why it's been, that's why the name has changed. That's why the offering has been reduced, but they're mm. trying to make the same money as mm. they would have done if it would have been Mickey's not so scary, because this is yeah. what the shareholders want. They want continuation. So with that, Chris, cause the other thing as well, which obviously I'm not going to talk about too much on here because it's not our avenue. So, but yeah. you know, we last week we saw the announcement of another Orlando theme park doing a Halloween event. Mm. Yeah. And they're being very smart about it, SeaWorld, because basically during the weekdays it's an adult event and weekend it's for kids only. Mm. Well, not kids only, but it's just geared towards children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, Universal prior to, to COVID was starting to look into this as if, can we do a Halloween event in the studios for adults? And then can we do like a kid-friendly one on weekends in Islands of Adventure? This was something that was discussed pre-COVID. They even looked at doing a sci-fi based, uh, family-friendly, slightly scary event in the spring and summer months. So they're constantly looking, they call it marquee events. They're constantly looking for new avenues at Universal. So the thing is, is when you see what you're getting for less money, at Halloween Horror Nights, even if you don't like the scares so much, there's still plenty to do, even if you don't like to be terrified. Mm. You can see from a business point of view that Halloween Horror Nights, if you if you are a, a tourist, is a much better offering than this stupid boobash thing. Yeah. Because it's Halloween Horror Nights is cheaper and you can have special food and you can have, you know, entertainment and shows and all the other stuff that comes with Halloween Horror Nights. It's all there. Well, and it will likely all be there for Universal this year. Mm. And the, I mean, the thing is, if you look, and obviously we haven't got tickets out yet for this year, but, you know, just going on previous years, you know, you can get, you know, tickets like frequent fear passes, which will mm. be the cost of what, uh, a night and a half at Boobash? Yeah, and you can go, <laughs> go 20, 30 times. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it will be, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. The problem that I find with Disney is they keep doing what you were saying, Mr. D, earlier about trying to constantly squeeze every penny they can out of people is that eventually people get wise to this. And all they're doing really is accelerating their decline in market share. Because since Potter, a huge chunk has been lost at Disney. And to try and salvage and try and get back that market share, they're doing the complete opposite. I think it's a strategy, you know. You, you know, you got a couple of different ways to make money in business. You know, you can sell, you can sell lots of stuff to lots of people for not a lot of money, or you can sell stuff for more money to fewer people less mm. often, right? Yeah. And I think they're, you know, they've been really successful in filling the resort. You know, we talked about what what Mickey's not so scary used to be like back in the late nineties. I mean. 
the whole resort was like that. You know, there were periods of the year where it was really, really quiet. We used to go in October and God, it was amazing. I mean, you could, you could, we never wasted more than 15, 20 minutes for anything. And even that was, was quite a long wait. But they've been so successful at and then, you know, Mickey's not scary, Mickey's very merry, the marathon, race weekends, the food and wine, everything, you know. And um, so they've got to, got to the point now where they can start to, in the last four or five years in particular, you know, start to think, right, okay, we're actually getting the people in the door. Now how can we get more money out of them? So, the th- so taking your point then, if their business plan now is we want less people, but we want to earn more money out of them, then why the hell do they need hundreds of thousands of bloody DVC rooms? Just to see yeah. my point going back to DVC, how yeah. it just doesn't add up. They still want to keep people in the bubble though, Chris. They want people in, in their rooms, whether it be cash or DVC, I don't think they care. They want people in their bubble when they want them spending loads of money. I mean, you know, everything is designed for that, right? 180-day ADRs. Booking your fast passes sixty days in advance. No, no, you got bloody park reservations, but hopefully that will disappear in the future. Yeah, um, yeah, they get get rid of the magical express. Yeah, they get rid of that. Yeah, it's just the what, stupidity. I, in this I'm, I'm, it I'm really, really I'm really surprised that they didn't just go to some delight meters who are going to run it anyway and say, right, we we want you to take over this business. We'll still call it Magical Express. It will still do what it does today. You take it over. You can you can charge for it under our banner. You know, even if it's just a, a limited amount, you're still providing the service. Okay, people have to pay for it, but you know, if they don't want to pick up a car at the airport, they can still get a Disney bus to a Disney hotel, and they're totally in the bubble. I'm really surprised you let that one go because <laughs> even when like- Mia's when Mia's do it, it's going to be a Mia's coach. It's not going to be yeah. a Disney coach. The- it's not the same. The, the, the one thing I'll, I'll say on this is I really hope more than anything that Universal smash Epic Universe out of the park and they build one of the best family-friendly lands in Nintendo um, that we've seen in Orlando for many a year and that partnered with that, they have some kind of kid-friendly hotel offering that has maybe some Nintendo rooms. We know there's going to be Nintendo merchandise. Nintendo has the possibility to take that market share away from Disney even more, which will only make it better for the guests um, going to Orlando. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with Potter, didn't we? I mean, it's, yeah. it, what's good for one ends up being, you know, ends up being good for the guests. And that competition is is really healthy. You know, I love Disney, I love Universal, so it's a win-win, you know, bring it on. But, hey, we're still living in strange times. Things... Things are going to take a couple of years to get back to normal, but some of these things are, well, obviously we find them interesting because we waffled on for an hour or so on it. Well, and on that, um, I did see an exchange in a Facebook group over the weekend um, where somebody asked for a Disney podcast that was a positive Disney podcast. And when somebody (laughs) questioned why, they said, oh, I'm just fed up of listening to Disney podcasts where it's all negativity and all this. And, you know, I, I think it's I think it's quite bad that people think that, you know, 
people spend their time making podcasts just to talk about all the negative things that you might be able to associate with Disney um, because it's good and bad, light and dark and, and everything like that. Um, so I think, you know, we, we've talked enough um, about negative stuff on this podcast. So let's talk about something a bit more upbeat. Just, Ryan. Oh, sorry. Go on, Misty. I was just going to say, it's just one thing though. I mean, I think, I think it is a trap that people like us fall into because we, we love Disney and we love Universal. Mm-hmm. That's why, that's why we're interested enough to to do these podcasts, and that's why we're interested enough to be sitting here late at night talking about this stuff. What However, me up, the problem is you get you get you tend to focus more on the negative stuff because it's because that's just kind of human nature, you know. If everything's good, it's good, and you enjoy it and you love it and that sort of thing. But when something bad happens, you you focus on that. But it's because we care. Right. Yeah, it's because it kind of is, but but the problem is somebody listening to this for the first time mm. thinks that we're we're down on Disney because we don't like it. No, we're down mm. on Disney because we like it, and we don't like to see some of the things they do that kind of alienate us, or we can't quite understand why they've done it. You but, need I mean, to hold people to account, whether that's mm. an individual, whether that's a company, right? Yeah, I know towards the end of this podcast. Right, because of what we, I know what we're going to be talking about towards the end of this podcast, you're going to hear a lot of positivity about stuff. But mm. you have got to, you've got to, you can't just pretend that everything is sunshine and rainbows. No, right? it's not about pretending, it's, it's, but it's about keeping it in balance, yeah, but, right? But the, but the problem is, is that you get people, I think we do try and be balanced, but you do get podcasts that you listen to, and you know you've listened to these podcasts, Mr. D, because I certainly have, where they will, they'll be talking about Boobash there, and they'll go, and um, yeah, on Halloween, it's $199 a ticket. That is amazing value. Where else are you going to spend $200 on, on Halloween I, night? Do you know what I, I mean? Like, I can't listen to those podcasts. I really but they're can't. out there. And the, th- yeah, and, and the worst thing is, it's like that person there w- was asking, and when she was challenged about it, not by me, but when she was challenged about it, about why she wanted that, it's because I only want to hear people say good things all the time. That just blows my mind. And no mm-hmm. one, no podcaster anywhere in the world, whatever the subject matter, no podcaster is sitting there doing this because they can't stand what they're talking about. It might be a completely negative podcast, but they're doing it because they care. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to waste your time doing this. I recorded, I was trying to work this out earlier, last year, and that was a funny year because of the pandemic, right? But last year, I was on either hosting guesting at least producing and editing over 80 podcasts i almost hate myself right now and i wouldn't do that i wouldn't go to that level if it wasn't something i got a little bit of enjoyment out of so bear that in mind however without further ado ryan right do you want to tell us about the avengers campus (laughs) yeah the avengers campus opened up there god it looks crap doesn't it <laughs> You'll get another review for that one, right? Uh, I, I, I let look. All I've got to do is kick the ball up. If he heads it in, that's on his that's on his own terms. Um, no, but yeah. So Avengers Campus has opened up at Disney's California Adventure, and yeah, I, I mean, as a Marvel fan, of course, I'm I'm, I'm excited. I've I've never been to Disneyland. It's high up on my list as soon as this pandemic is done, and there is elements to the land that I think look absolutely incredible and there's elements in the land that, that, that don't but I think for me highlights um, include the 
the PIM test kitchen. I think Imagineering have, have gone to town on that, and some of the creations coming out of there look, look incredible. I think the um, the overall style of the lands, particularly the Quinjet building, looks great. It would be nice to see some indication of when the Avengers attraction is going to be hitting the park, if ever. Um, and I think the merchandise looks, looks pretty cool, including, and I know that again, there's, there's a lot of people on this Twitter were like, oh, they've got these new um, web things that you can attach to your hand that alter how you can um, use them on the Spider-Man attraction. But if you've seen clips of riot, people riding that Spider-Man attraction, you're going to want to buy these because otherwise oh, you just look like an idiot. A hundred percent. And I mean, the thing is that that was my problem with it when they announced these things is it was very clear that is what you should have been using on the oh, attraction. Definitely, so definitely. The, the fact that what you should have had as part of the experience is something you have to pay extra for is the bit that I don't like because oh, that, no, just shoot, that just shows naivety, but also money-making opportunity. I do agree with you. I mean, for me, like, because Disneyland for me is is like what Florida is for a lot of people is I will probably only go to Disneyland maybe once in the next 10 years. Yeah. And when I'm in Disneyland, I will be buying these these web slingers to to, to go on Spider-Man with. Um, I'm coming back with a a cuddly How the Duck. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, I ain't getting that anywhere else. So... Um, There's lots of cool characters. Like, there's loads of characters. They... they, um, showed sam wilson in the um the new outfit um yep. the other day at the reveal ceremony which was pretty cool yep. um i got a heat for saying something about that <laughs> you're gonna get a negative said. review I, I said right how is it that you can have the new captain america high-fiving iron man whilst the old captain america watches from afar yet you can't have mandalorian with the child walking down bloody galaxy's edge main street See, I, I completely agree with you. I think that they've they've got around this, the Imagineers, by saying this is like some kind of weird multiverse convergence. It's, it's, it's in the words of Peter Griffin, it's a fucking cartoon. I mean, it's just a theme park. <laughs> I know, and I completely agree. I would I want to see the Mandalorian walking around in Galaxy's Edge. Anybody hear that Irish Peter Griffin now? <laughs> Well, also, can I just say one last thing? What's your Jumped on the podcast there. Can I just say one last thing? Only Disney could build the third greatest Spider-Man ride in the world. Yep. Yeah. Am yep. I right? Yeah. I agree. I'm oh, sorry, it's too negative. Uh, no, I, 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 I do. Else. I mean, Spider-Man is my favourite Marvel well, comic. And look, look, I haven't been on it yet, but... It let's talk about well. let's talk about Spider-Man, right? Because first things first it is exactly what we expected or what we speculated on here a long time ago and what other people did as well i'm not saying it's our own original idea but it is the ninja ninjago ride at legoland that's mm-hmm. what it is it's, it's a glorified version of that the pre-show bit and again we've not seen this in person so we're just going on videos with a pre-show bit is uh I'd, I'd say classic now i think it's the way they do the pre-show is is quite similar to what we've seen in other kind of theme park attractions. That's not to say it's not clever still. You know, I, I always like that kind of use of technology, but it is what it is. It's it's not breaking the, the, the bank. And I think that that's the problem I have with this whole Spider-Man thing, right? Universal nailed Spider-Man over 20 years yep. ago. Still... Yes you know by by many people still the greatest theme park attraction anywhere in the world mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. absolutely nailed it 
Disney have been, I mean, it's not Disney's fault, right? Because obviously the Marvel deal with Universal was done years before. The, the Sony deal with Spider-Man was done years before. So there's all that kind of uh, mess up there. They've finally been able to work out how to do a Spider-Man attraction. And to me, when you look at something like um, Rise of the Resistance, right? And, and, and all, the, all the things they did there that kind of were outstanding and clever, and then they've taken, you know, arguably the most popular superhero in the world mm. and already have a high bar to kind of leap over in terms of theme park entertainment and give us this attraction. I I, I was round with people all last week because I said it should have been an e-ticket or I considered it to be an e-ticket attraction. They're saying, well, they're not saying it's an e-ticket attraction. I don't really care what Disney consider it to be. The fact is that, Spider-Man should be an e-ticket attraction. Mm. I agree. Be. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I agree. And I, I think the biggest disappointment for me is not necessarily the technology that's being used or, or the fact that there are screens being used, but the fact that they are not using any of Spider-Man's incredible set of villains. Oh, no, no, that's annoying. That it's just annoying. crap, isn't it? Well, I suppose, again, it comes down to the Sony They've obviously come to an agreement with Sony to to have Tom Holland doing his role in this as part of the Marvel, you know, cinematic universe. So uh, I'm guessing they only, you know, they probably only wanted to stump up the cast to you, get him. You know, else. you know what is genius? I mean, you're absolutely right there, Nick. But you know what is genius is the web shooters have been for sale for years and they're really undersold. So they've basically taken a load of crap that they couldn't sell and <laughs> now you've got to buy it to go on the ride. It's yeah. genius. I was I was only in the supermarket the other day, uh, looking in the toy aisle, and I was like, "Oh, is that is this over from, from California Adventure? It looks suspiciously like the same technology." There you go. There's a hack. We go to ASDA, we buy yeah. our web shooters, we pack them, and go to Disneyland. You just, just put an RFID chip in it or whatever. I just Stop feel it. like the only, my only my only problem with this land, and I do think the land looks fantastic. My only problem with the land is why did they need to go all in with Spider Man, given every other Marvel character that, that Disney has access to. I know Spider-Man is popular, but why bother with a ride that isn't anywhere on on the surface, none of us have been on it, doesn't look anywhere near as good as Universal's Spider-Man ride when they have a whole other set of characters to base it on. Well, and, and and again, I know they're planning maybe to, to open this other attraction in the land. And I think we, if they'd both opened at the same time, we'd probably be having different discussions about Spider-Man. They go, oh, it's a great supporting ride but right now it's the only one there well the, the problem they've got in in that park is the fact they're dictated to by the guardians ride because that area they've taken is really small mm. so there's not a lot of scope there to add on or to extend i don't think whereas if it had been somewhere else perhaps if the guardians ride hadn't been you know a re-overlay of the old twilight zone they could have more space and have more characters so they've just probably felt well spider-man's the most popular superhero of our country mile we'll do loads of stuff for him but but they could have the thing is like they've created other rides they could have done a you know they could have brought over the ant-man attraction from hong kong yeah i'm surprised they didn't actually because that doesn't take up a lot of real estate well not only does it not take up a lot of real estate but it's in hong kong yeah mm, exactly who's gonna you know you know the number of you know, Americans or Europeans that have been to Hong Kong to go to that theme park. It's probably very, very small. So. The thing is, I know, you know, so I listen to Disneyland Under. Those guys have gone to Tokyo, Hong Kong, Shanghai, 
you know, bet, you've got to remember geographically where they are. Mm. And I've been to Disneyland and I've been to Disney World. Mm. It's very unusual. You don't get a lot of crossover of people no. that go to Disneyland and go to Hong Kong. I mean, we're all, I would say, hardcore Disney Parks fans. And I don't think any of us have been to all of them. Are you sure? Because we're quite negative about Disney parks. Um, <laughs> but like they're, they're all on our list of places to go, right? And yeah, I mean, I would love to go. There. I would love to go to Shanghai. I wouldn't mind going to Hong Kong just to see what it's like. But there's not enough. Um, you know, Shanghai has has more unique attractions that we're not going to see elsewhere. I know, obviously, Tron Coast is coming over, but you know, not till twenty thirty five. Well, yeah, obviously, um, and you know. Their pirate, you know, we're not going to see their pirates and else, that kind of thing. So there, there's stuff there. My biggest problem with Shanghai is the fact it's in Shanghai, to be honest. But that's that's another. We don't want to get political. Um, but there, there's other things. Uh, look, the, the Iron Man ride. They got the Iron Man ride from Hong Kong as well. Yeah, yeah it doesn't take up a lot of real estate. They could have put that there. That's I, true. I mm. think it's. I, I think it's strange that they've done what they've done in the way that they have. Um, and I, I kind of all my, and the other thing as well, and you kind of picked up on this run is they've used Spider Man. They have if they if they want to base it on all the films, there are so many other films they they could have done a back they could have done Black Panther. They could have used that same ride and made a Black Panther attraction if they wanted to. Well, you, to be fair, you could you could swap out Spider Man for Iron Man and just pretend like you're shooting the yeah. Lasers, you know, it's it's really. It, yeah, I mean, Danny Junior is expensive, I should imagine. Yeah, but he's uh, also he's, dead. Just play. You just play. Play <laughs> the North to do it. He's done it before in the video games. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think I'm trying to think who does it in Hong Kong. It's not. It's not Danny Junior. I think it's the guy who does the cartoons. Who is isn't Nolan North? No, it's not. It's not Danny Junior. Is it true? It might be an urban legend that every time you hear Woody, other than in. Toy Story 1, 2, 3, 4. It's Tom Hanks' brother doing the voice. That's true, if yeah. You, if you Most hear Woody in anything that's not a Toy Story film, mm. it's his brother. So even um, there was a short, wasn't there, that was released after Toy Story 4? Mm. That was like mm. a, a... It was about what happened to Bo Peep in between the years. Mm. It was called Lamp Life. He's not in that. Everyone so else is in it, but it's his brother. It's his brother. Oh yeah. wow! And he, yeah. and, it, and it's listed as so. Like it's not like it says, no, no, no. It says Tom Hanks, and it's I can't remember. What he's, he's I want to say it's like uh, Jeff Hanks or something. I can't remember. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so all the dolls, and also the other thing to note on that is if you pick up a Buzz Lightyear doll, uh, like one of the talking ones, it will say original voice. The Woodies have never ever said that because it's not him. Tim Allen does all the voice work for the Buzz Lightyear toys. He needs to work, doesn't he? To be or fair. certainly, yeah. Or certainly, <laughs> did. I don't know if he still does, but yeah. So, so you've never had a an authentic talking Woody toy. That's the thing, uh, though. You know, Tom Hanks can walk into the booth and be like, "You want me to do the toys? It's going to cost you this much." Tim Allen walks into the booth and he's like, "I need, I need the money for the, for the bus home. I'll do it." He scratched himself. Um, so the other thing, the other thing with Spider Man as well, right? is we've got um, the Spider-Man Sun thing. I was trying to oh, remember what it was. No way. Um, I don't know, is that what it's called? No, that's the Bourne one. It's a Bourne Stuntacular. <laughs> the, the Spider-Man Stuntacular. So uh, we've got this show that's taking place on the on the roof of the building. Oh, the animatronic? Well, 
so have you seen it yeah yeah so it's this weird mix of tom holland talking an actor goofing around trying to wave his arms in time to whatever tom holland's saying disappearing for a little bit uh an animatronic doing something quite impressive then and i believe it's a different actor i think there's more than one spider-man at one time Mm. that's doing this stuff and it ends with a really poor looking spider-man falling down a wall yeah i thought that i was like if you're gonna do it at least remove the massive crane with the harness on it. Google the Marvel superheroes stunt show at Universal Orlando back in the 90s. That was better. The, well, I think the one at Chester's World of Adventures. No, well, yeah, that, that also was better. better. Yeah. I just remember they hadn't invented health and safety back in the 90s. That, that, that is the reason. <laughs> <laughs> even kids, even kids are going to be looking at that and going, Spider-Man doesn't wear a harness. The thing is, Spider-Man on the roof has a harness on. You yeah. can just about see. The problem is, is why they had to have him climb down the side of the building. If they just had him kind of swing down, it wouldn't have looked quite so bad. But what they do, it, do you know what it looks like? It looks like watching the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man show from the 70s. It looks like um, the, the Japanese Spider-Man. Don't you dare insult Japanese Spider-Man ever <laughs> again. I'm still hoping he's going to make an appearance in Spider-Verse 2. Um, it, oh, it he just definitely looks will. bad. It just looks bad. Like he he just starts crawling down this building while the pulley system releases yeah, into it's he, you know, he's not even touching, he's not even touching the building properly. Like it just looks naff. And the thing is, it's such a shame because the idea of it is great. And obviously, the money shot is that animatronic. And the animatronic looks great. And I showed it to my daughter yesterday, and her mind was blown. She hated the rest of the show, though. She's eight. But that animatronic flying across the air, so impressive to her. So Grant Imahara, who sadly passed away last year of Mythbusters fame, actually came in and, wor- and worked on that with Disney. Oh. And so it, makes sense, the... it, it makes sense how they, how they do it and why they do it in the way that they do, right? Because it, it keeps it away from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it does look cool. I, I, will, I will say, though, to... A bit more of a positive side of the campus. The Doctor Strange show looks pretty fun. Yes, the way that he enters, I think, is really cool. And a lot of these we're going to see in Paris. Yeah, because the Spider-Man show is coming to Paris. Oh, sorry, sorry, the Spider-Man ride is coming to Paris, and I assume that means that we'll see that show as well. There are long-standing rumours that the Doctor Strange. Uh, kind of meet and greet thing he's going to um, well, that, put in the old studio space. That a- ancient sanctum yeah. um, is not a very large space, so you could easily put that in Paris. Yeah. So that was the plan there. Um, we're getting a PIM test kitchen as well. Um, but we're getting an Iron Man attraction rather than uh, possibly the Avengers attraction. There's still no word on the Avengers coming to Paris, but we're getting the Iron Man attraction that's going to be the rock and roll uh, rock and roller coaster um, kind of upgrade. So, so yeah, we're going to see a lot of this stuff locally. So it's not going to be too bad. But um, yeah, I, I think again, very high bar. I think that was a problem. That there was a very high bar. I think the main selling point of this land is the fact that you're going to be able to see all these Marvel characters. 
Yeah, I mean, as I said, if they'd opened with this Avengers attraction that they're rumoured to be working on, they've said they're working on, but we've heard nothing on since 2019, maybe, um, then I think it would have been a very different land. But I don't know why, I mean, we know why it's it's fiscal reasons, but they've got this weird habit now of opening lands with the, the poorest of the two rides. Anything else on Avengers Campus? I was just muted. I was talking and couldn't work out why no one could hear me. Um, <laughs> is there anything else anyone wanted to say about Avengers Campus? No. Uh, in that case, then, shall we go and have a look at what's going on outside the parks? Let's get down to business to start planning that Disney trip. I'm Wendy Prater and Magical Journeys Travel here, proud sponsor of the Disney Parks and Beyond podcast. I specialize in all things Disney, Universal, and all major cruise lines. Disney cruises are spectacular, but you've got to book early to get the best pricing and stateroom selection. I offer generous onboard credits and take care of all your planning. Interested in Disney World, Disneyland, or Disneyland Paris? I can help with every bit of the planning process, including dining and fast passes. Find me on the Twitters at WP Magic Journeys or email me at Wendy Prater at MagicalJourneysTravel.com. I make the plans, you make the memories. So a few things um, going on. One of them peed up and over to me. What did he send over to me? Ah, have you seen the new show coming to Disney Plus? I don't the, mean Loki. That starts Disney this Parks week. one. Yep, behind the attraction. Mm, yeah. That was interesting. I, I I I don't think I'd heard about this. Yeah, I mean I think I think it's if it's as good a quality as the um, imagineering uh, story, then I, I think we're in for a treat with this. Do you see who's the uh, executive producer? No, who is it? Dwayne Johnson. Interesting. I saw his name on a post attached to it earlier, but I didn't realize he was producing it. Yeah, executive producers Dwayne Johnson, Danny Garcia, and Brian Volkweiss. Now, I'm not sure about Brian Volkweiss. The name rings a bell, I'm not sure why, but um, Danny Garcia is his business partner. I think it's his ex-wife. Um, but they own a production company together. So I think it's like seven bucks or something. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. So they're behind it. And it's interesting. I mean, what I would say is during the pandemic, so I I was not um, an avid YouTube user. Everyone's used YouTube, right, over the years. Of course they have. But during the pandemic, I started to watch a lot more stuff about theme parks. And there's a lot of great uh, great content out there from people like Yesterworld and Defunctland and um, Expedition Theme Park. And Mm. there are others um, that I can't remember off the top of my head. But there are a lot of people that have done YouTube films um, about stuff like this, about the history of uh, a theme park attraction or you know, uh, looking at it in some kind of detail. And in fact, we've even got a show on the network now that's looking at... uh, how these rides operate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it links in the show notes, by the way. All, all the shows in the network are there. So go and have a look at that. Um, but I, I think it's, as you say, Ryan, like, you know, the Imagineering story was uh, a really good documentary series. So 
this this could be uh, really interesting, especially as it's going to be they're going to have full access. You know, all this stuff on YouTube, people will have done their research, but they don't normally get to speak to the people that have made these attractions or be able to see, you know, the blueprints or, you know, some of the other stuff that's kind of locked in the vaults. So uh, I've got high hopes. Yeah, no, I think I think the concept of it sounds really cool. I think it's coming out like mid-July, isn't it? So we've not got too long to wait. 16th of July, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just over a month. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see that. Um got a new marvel show this week oh yeah well, i've not heard of it what is it oh disgraceful mr. <laughs> d, you, know, you know you know what's starting this week mr d don't you uh no i'm blanking starting Low this key. week loki oh right tomorrow um, isn't it well tomorrow when we record yeah it well yeah it'll be the well when this episode goes out publicly uh is that this week i didn't think it was this week night for june Every Wednesday, I think it's coming well, out. Okay. Yeah, you could, uh, you could argue they've kept the uh, the release date of this quite low key. Uh, oh. Interesting. Ouch. Interestingly, I before we came on air, I got uh, an email telling me that a new Marvel's Legend figure was available to pre-order, and it's um, what's he called? Mo Mobius. Mobius. No. No, that's a trick I fed into. So Morbius is the living vampire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Jared Leto. No, this is Mobius, and this is the character that Luke Wilson is playing in Loki. Ah, okay. Uh, and he's a different Marvel character. Um, slightly different spelling. Very similar name, though. Don't understand why. Um, but the figure looks ridiculously like old man Owen Wilson. Because he does look quite old in this. Yeah, they've aged him, haven't they? Well, I don't know because I've not seen him for a while. So have they aged him? Or yeah, has I think he just got old. I think that I think they've aged him. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've got to be honest. I'm looking forward to Loki. Hmm. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to. I, I call it was Tuesday today. Um, looking forward to watching it on Wednesday. <laughs> we started recording earlier tonight, so actually we're going to finish this way before Tuesday as well. <laughs> yeah, for a change. <laughs> Um, I think that's great. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed the Marvel shows. I mean, uh, you, you know, WandaVision started off great and kind of ended a little bit on a dour note. Uh, almost the opposite of uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier for me. Have you seen I'm any of MODOK? Uh, sorry? I, no, I've not watched uh, MODOK yet because, um, because it's been released weekly. So um, I'm just going to wait and binge. Mm. How long are the episodes? Like 20 minutes. Oh, okay. So they are they are regular. I thought they might be like robot chicken kind of 10, 15 minute things. No, they're like they're like normal kind of animated show. Okay. It's I'm enjoying for, enjoying it for what it is, but don't go in with don't go don't go in thinking it's gonna be a, the next Marvel big thing. Yeah. Well the, the sorry, it's the guys behind Robot Chicken, right, that made this. Yeah, I think some of them are involved, yeah. Um, and do you know about the Star Wars series that they made? No. Um, oh, the one that um, is, is just about to resurface, isn't it? Well, it looks to be that way, yeah. Yeah. Which would be interesting, because I think it was scheduled for about three, four years ago, maybe longer. Yeah. yeah. No, I have heard of it. I can't remember what it was yeah. called, though. Um, so, yeah, so we've got that. Um, but we've got, 
well, we've got some films coming up. July is a heavy month. We've got two films coming out. We've got uh, Black Widow on the 9th. Mm-hmm. And then we've got uh, Jungle Cruise on the 30th. So right at the end of the month. Um, and both of those will be cinema plus uh, premiere access releases. Yeah. Um, but we just had the latest uh, film that was given both sets of releases in Cruella. Um, now, Mr. D, have you have you seen Cruella? No, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but it's still on Premier Access. I'm going to wait until it's not. Yeah. Because no. I'm tight. Well, no. well, because I've paid my Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> and I'm going to get maximum value out of it. Uh, now, Ryan, I know you've seen it. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first. Yeah. Okay. Um. We um, obviously with a one year old don't get the chance to to visit the cinema very often, um, even though they have reopened now. Um, I just thought, oh, let's let's give it a go. Let's pay for it on Premier Access. It's probably going to be rubbish because I thought most of the most recent Disney live action films have all been rubbish. Um, and genuinely one of the very few films that we finished watching and thought, geez, like we could watch that again. It was, I honestly thought it was fantastic um, from start to finish. Really impressed. I mean, admittedly, going into it, I wasn't expecting a great deal. Um, but I was really, really pleasantly surprised. And the, I mean, the soundtrack is fantastic. The The cast is fantastic. I think it, they really did pull everything together. And I think what I really like with with this one and I think it does work when it's not a like for like remake so you're not comparing it to a previous film which helps yeah yeah I think I think you're right um again I wasn't sure like, I like the look of it but I was a little bit mm, gonna enjoy this or not and we bought um some of the other premier access films so uh, this was going to be the first one where it was kind of like, should, should we, should we not? And in the end, we did. And we weren't sure who it was aimed at, really. So me and my wife watched it. And, you know, just 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 to see, like, you know, was it going to be suitable or whatever? And um, we thought it was going to be suitable for our daughter. So um, we watched that on the Sunday night. I think we watched it the same night, Ryan, didn't we? Yeah, I think we did. Was it back holiday weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we, we watched it on the Sunday night. Um, my wife then watched it again on the Monday with my daughter. Um, so she'd, she'd not even gone about 12 hours between watching it again. And then they watched it. Oh, no, no, sorry. Then they went to London on Wednesday and they were going to the Natural History Museum. There was a, a Fantastic Beasts exhibition at the moment. Oh, cool. Um, but they can only buy two tickets at a time, so I couldn't go. Um, but while they were up there, they decided to go to Liberty because mm. uh, that's obviously that's you know something that's seen that plays quite an integral uh, part of the film is uh, the the Liberty store in London, which I, I think even if you've never been in there, you know it. I I was surprised when I won't ruin the film. I was surprised to, that they attached their name to it. Uh, all publicity is good publicity, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, um, and it's and it's great advertising because so they went in there. That was on the Wednesday. Mm. They went in there, and uh, immediately my wife 
spoke to somebody in there and said, oh, um, my daughter's just seen Corella. She went, oh, right, you want to come over here? And they've got um, some of the uh, costumes, some of the Cruella outfits are on display at the moment. So they've got some of the props there. Um, but also they showed them where they filmed the, the sequences in the film. Oh, cool. Well. So, I mean, not all of the sequences, because some of it's supposed to be like backstage and whatever. But um, yeah, so there's stuff on the shop floor. So, you know, and that was just a Wednesday. Like the film had only come out on a Friday. And it was clear that they weren't the first people to do that. Mm. so i think it's going to be it's going to give them a big buzz i think that's going to become you know it was already quite a, a famous shop and quite a popular tourist destination but i think being featured in a film like this is going to obviously elevate that even more which is only going to be good for them um so fair play um but yeah and then we watched it again on saturday so we got my mother-in-law over um, we had dinner together and we watched it again. So within a week, they'd watched it uh, three times and me and my daughter watched it two times. So um, it was crazy. But I've not spoken to anyone yet that's not really enjoyed it. Same, actually. Yeah, same. I, I um, um, asked my, told my sister to watch it. She was looking forward to it and she um, has access to my Disney Plus account and thought she was going to have to wait six months. And I said, oh, I've got it on Premier Access. And she immediately put her son to bed and I don't know what it might have been like four in the afternoon who knows and um started watching it and loved it as well I like to say it's got a great soundtrack like if you um if you like music from like the the 70s 60s and 70s it's got a fantastic soundtrack I, traditionally with a lot of films like this not everything on in the film is on the soundtrack my wife was a bit disappointed and I was like they, they literally couldn't you know, it costs too much money to, you know, it costs money to license the music for use in the films anyway, let alone the spin-off soundtrack that you're going to sell afterwards. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a cracking soundtrack. Um, my daughter was introduced to some songs that she knew, actually didn't know before, but now knows quite well and obviously heard some songs that she did know. Um, I think the casting was great. Um, I like Emma Stone and I think she's good, but I didn't know how good she was going to be in this role. And I think she did a really good job and a good accent as well. Yeah, no, I completely yeah. agree. When I when I when I first saw the trailers for this, and I probably said it on this show actually, I thought, ah, it doesn't look great. I'll watch it when it comes to Disney Plus. And I said if we just happened to find ourselves free on a Sunday evening and thought, oh, why not? And I yeah, MSN was really, really good in it. I don't think anyone was badly cast in it. I mean, the yeah, only I the only person I'm not a hundred percent with, unfortunately, is um, oh god, what are the henchmen called? Um, well, anyway, uh, one is Paul Walter Hauser, who people may recognise from things like I Tonya and uh, Richard Jewell, he was in as well, which is uh, a really good film. Jasper and Horace. Jasper and Horace. Yeah. I think it might be Horace is played by Joel Fry. I could have got those mixed up. But Joel Fry is a British actor. Um, and I, I like him a lot. I, he pops up in a lot of comedy stuff in the UK. And I do like him. But I feel that he's got a very limited range of acting. Mm. Like in anything I see him in, he seems to be like a bit goofy or like annoyed. I wondered what I'd seen him before, plebs. 
plebs. Uh, he was in a uh, trolley, which was like a, su- mm. a supermarket thing. Um, but yeah, he, he pops up in a lot of stuff. Um, Paul Walter Hauser, though, uh, I thought was brilliant because he's an American. His accent was spot on. Oh, it was bit, fantastic. A bit, it was, I felt like watching Bob Hoskins. I, which is exactly the same thing. That's exactly <laughs> the same thing. I was like, that's Bob Hoskins from Roger yeah. Rabbit. Yeah, I think, but but I think he did a really good job. Um, Emma Thompson's great in it. Uh, Mark Bryant is is always good in in stuff anyway. Um, I think the only thing I wasn't overly keen on was the actual animals. Oh, At times I thought CG. some of the effects. Yeah, I, I I I wasn't convinced. I didn't. Yeah, again, like um, Donna said that a couple of times. She's like, "Why did they see like so there's some shots? It's like, why did they CG that? Yeah. Just get, just get the animal to." to run along like it's not it's not a difficult shot no no it did seem at times a bit overused but i was really impressed with it um much better than i expected um it seems to have done well enough that they're working on cruella 2 and there lies my problem right yeah because number one where'd you go um do you set it because <sighs> No, I don't, I'm not going to, if I say that, it might spoil things. Where do you go with a second one? But also as well, and this is the same problem that they kind of created when they did Maleficent. So this is more in this world than it is in like the, as you say, like the, re, the, the remake world, because these are original stories. These are like backstories of the characters that we, we know. Is that we know what Cruella turns into. With Maleficent, and I, the reason I hated it so much was the fact that they changed the story of Sleeping Beauty to then make the villain almost a hero of the piece. Yeah. They've not done that with Cruella, but that also leaves the door open to we know what she ends up wanting to do, which is kill a load of dogs to make a coat. So now you've created this film and you've made her into someone that you at least are, are half rooting for, if nothing else. How do you go from that to 101 Dalmatians? Yeah, yeah, it. I do agree. I think, you know, I, I'd love to see a sequel, but at the same time, I wouldn't. I think it, it's such a, it's almost for me like a perfect villain origin story. And I don't, I don't need to see any more. I mean, I will watch it, and, but I, I think it's very unlikely to be as good as this one. Yeah. Yeah, that that's 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 kind of how I feel about it as well. Uh, what would be interesting, I suppose, if they do a Corella two, is if they if it's set after the events of hundred and one Dalmatians, so you kind of bypass that completely. Then that that would be an interesting. Or take. don't or don't get there. Or don't, don't go that. Don't go. Well, yeah, don't go that far. Don't get yeah, to that yeah, point. Yeah. Well, no, so you never have to. Yeah. Cross or, that. Or, or they do completely bridge. spin on it, which. I think could happen based on the events of the first film. Yeah, that's what I don't want to. That's yeah. what I don't want to see. Yeah, yeah. Can't too much. What I also thought was interesting um, was the fact that um, Glenn Close was an executive producer on the film. How interesting was she? Mm. So I wonder because I'm assuming, I, mean, I don't know, but I wonder if that's because she was tapped up to do multiple live action films and obviously 102 Dalmatians wasn't a hit so they didn't make any more mm. so I wonder if there was something there you know 
there's a story, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but um, uh, Frank Sinatra was in this uh, detective film in like the 70s, I want to say, maybe the 60s. It was based on his book. The second book was about to be developed into a film and uh, it was now like the mid 80s and uh, they had to uh, offer the film role to Frank Sinatra because he was contracted to the book series essentially if they were adapted into films so he had to turn it down before they could offer the part to anybody else now he took a look at the script and was like I'm too old for this shit um, and then thankfully Bruce Willis was cast and we got Die Hard well. so I wonder if it's a similar kind of thing where if Disney were to make another live action film with the character of Corella that Glenn Close had to have offer a first refusal or something like that yeah maybe so, yeah maybe but yeah I thought, that was, I thought that was interesting but it's really good I mean mm. it's it's out of the cinema so um, you know for people that are going back to the cinema of uh, renewed their cinema passes or whatever uh, you can go and see it there if you don't wait for um, it to come on Disney Plus or you don't want to pay the premium and I completely get it it is 20 quid um, you know I in the grand scheme of things 20 quid when you can share that film with people on your account I don't think it's is too bad value for money but I think if you're someone on their own that doesn't have that to share with people then you know, I can see why it puts people off, but um, well, yeah. Think... So, like, my sisters watched it. My parents are going to watch it. They also have access to my account, and yeah, you know, it's it'll be worth worth it for that. But uh, honestly, I you know, we were talking negative about Disney earlier, but credit where credit's due. This this film really is fantastic, and yeah. I'm I was so happy to see a live action Disney film that wasn't crap. Yeah, a hundred percent, and I believe it comes out on Disney Plus in August. If you, That's right. if you want to wait, so yeah. I'll wait. I've got but, people I could share it with, Nick. I just don't want to. Don't, don't want to, exactly. You don't, yeah. you don't have to. You don't justify yourself to me. Not going I to. I get it. No. <laughs> um, but I mean, the question there, Ryan, is how can they do this like that mm. and still fail when they're making all these other films? So, like last week, me and Mr. D uh, for the Patreon show, we watched. Uh, Ulster Great and Powerful, mm. which wasn't, I hadn't watched it back since we saw it at the cinema, but we both enjoyed it, Missy, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, well, it wasn't, it was enjoyable. It wasn't terrible. But it was flawed. Yeah, definitely. It was flawed. And this is the common problem with a lot of live action Disney films, is they just don't seem to to nail it enough. Animation, mm. they, they don't have too many problems. Like, the only Disney film I've not really enjoyed, or sorry, the only animated film I've not really enjoyed of recent times is probably Onward. It wasn't awful. It just didn't seem to be up to their usual standard. But yeah. more often than not, their animated films are still really good. So what what like, can they what are they not doing right with live action that they're able to nail with either their reboots or remakes and their animated stuff? Honestly, I think they need to stop with the remakes. And I'm happy with reimaginings like like Cruella. Let's let's see different stories of these characters. The characters themselves are incredibly strong. Mm. You know, there is no taking that away from Disney, and I totally get why you'd want to continue making films about some of these characters. But you know, give us different stories. I mean, Maleficent, not the best example. It's not a great film, 
Cruella, fantastic example. I'd be more than happy for them to take Hook or Tinkerbell or any of the other characters and give us an origin yeah. story or, or something similar like they have with Cruella. Yeah, give us Hook. There you go. But no skateboards. But but why can't they create new characters? Well, they, yeah, I mean, they are struggling. I mean, however, I do think that the Jungle Cruise looks like a good mix of um, 90s, The Mummy and Pirates of the Caribbean. Hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because that's a good point, right? Look what they did with Pirates of the Caribbean. They took a ride that didn't have, like, really any characters in it. So they had to create characters for it. And yes, you can argue that had anyone else done Jack Sparrow in that first film, it would not have been as good because the performance does really elevate that character from just being a pirate, right? But you took an attraction that didn't really have a proper backstory, didn't have any real characters and fleshed it out and made it interesting. And it does on the surface look like that's what they've done with Jungle Cruise. Again, too early to judge because the film's not out yet, but it does look good and the characters they've they've got look like they've been quite well done. But it feels it definitely feels like they're gunning for the next Pirates franchise with this. Oh well they've got 100%. they've got to remake the Haunted Mansion for God's sake. Just yeah. remake it. Do you know what I mean? I know that um what was his name, Del Toro was mm. gonna was gonna do a version of it. But I mean, that's one that people want to see. Everybody loves the Haunted Mansion. People love scary stories, scary movies, and there's there's some good material there for a for a fantastic movie that again could probably go in different directions, and you could probably have sequels. So, why aren't they making the Haunted Mansion? Or why aren't they making the Haunted Mansion? And even even like the Tower of Terror, right? There was that. Steve Gutenberg movie, which we <laughs> cursed and done, which wasn't which wasn't the best, but I mean it was a low budget TV made movie. for TV time. Yeah, you still find it so shop after the ride, I think. Yeah, I'm sure you can. <laughs> you can yeah. it's still. You just got to blow the dust off that. That dust well, you... isn't like special effects that we <laughs> that can't, they spray can't... on there. Yeah, but it's not even on Disney Plus. No, it's not. Not yet. It will come out as a special edition. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but you know, they, I mean, there's there's two really good attractions that have got stories yeah that could be developed so yeah i I agree with ryan don't don't make like a lion king like for like blow by blow remake it's just it's pointless just don't do that oh 100 and the reason why i liked aladdin and i didn't like lion king was because Mm. although it you know there were beats which were obviously quite similar they made it yeah. different enough. Like, you know, they couldn't recreate Robin Williams's genie, so they had to give us Will Smith's yeah. genie, which on paper sounded absolutely horrendous. Oh, yeah, it did. Practice, it looked horrendous for a while. It did, yeah. But in practice, it worked. Yeah. And the way and the things that they did change about the story worked. But, it, yeah, that's the balance. It's like, do you yeah. make a shot for shot remake like The Lion King, or do you actually try and do something a little bit fresh? But the fact is, forget that because. You know, I know that they're their own kind of creations, but the Haunted Mansion, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Jungle Cruise, they're all their own IPs. Mm-hmm. You know, we had in the 70s and 80s, we had Tron, we had um, the the Black Hole. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, look, say what you want about those films, right? But they were trying to create 
new concepts, new ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, in the late 80s, we had like the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series start, which yeah. worked quite well. But we're not really getting those kinds of films now. I mean, even the live action films we got recently that haven't done well, like um, Wrinkle in Time. That was based on a book. That wasn't, a, that wasn't an original concept. The original idea that was based on a book. Why was the last Disney, one? Tomorrowland. I think you're probably right. And again, it's their mm, own IP. Well. I know it's. Yeah. I know it's his own. They had to create a backstory to it, but it was still yeah. taking something that Disney had already kind of mm. created. Where is? Let's try something new. Let's try something outside the box. They are. They are rumored to be working on. I think this has all been confirmed, but they are. The Society of Explorers and Adventurers Disney Plus show, which is taken from Disney Parks. Again, yeah. again. stop thinking about the parks. I, I don't get me wrong. I do want to see that happen. Oh so yeah, I, I think that, that it is, could be a great show. Yeah, but but just why is no one at Disney coming up with original ideas? Why are they going right? What have we got? What can we do? Right, and I get it. I, I get from one hand, if you're taking something that already exists, it's an easier sell. Right. So if you're making a film about the Jungle Cruise, people are aware of the attraction. Right. So I get that. I understand that. I, I, I can see why Disney would rather go for something like that rather than uh, come up with a new idea. But the thing is, that new idea that they can, they can uh, come up with could be their new IP. I just don't see any original uh, original ideas coming out of the live action side. Look at the animation stuff, right? You're still getting brand new, fresh ideas. You know how many? Uh, you know of, of the of the recent films like Moana, that was an original idea. Frozen was obviously a, a version of the Snow Queen. Um, Tangled was obviously a take on the kind of legacy of Rapunzel. That'll be next though. That'll be the live action ones next. Yeah, but but. The, what and you know they've got um the, the new pixar one well, the last two pixar films so and is it uh luna no luca luca um you know they're obviously uh, brand new original ideas we're getting that in animation why can we not get original ideas in live action didn't they um that they used did... to be that used to be their raison d'etre right look at the 60s and 70s you know what films they were making like Disney were making like the computer world tennis shoes that wasn't based on a bloody attraction was it or a book or one of our dinosaurs is missing or bed knobs and broomsticks like these were not these were the ideas that people came up with and they made films of them it's okay based on a book if it's a you know but it's not a book that they've already made like three or four times and yeah, a book that hasn't been made in a movie. Yeah, but the problem is well look look at the last two attempts right a, mm-hmm. a wrinkle in time i mentioned earlier and artemis yes. foul now the book of artemis foul is nothing like the film and it flopped mm. if you're gonna the problem is if you're gonna make a book you're gonna take somebody's source material and especially if that book has got a, a loyal audience, which Artemis Fowl definitely did, and Wrinkle in Time did as well, you need to make it authentic to the book. So that's the other thing they're not doing either. I just, I just want some brand new original concepts. For all its faults, 
at least with Avatar, James Cameron said, you know what, I've got this idea for this world. Yep. And made it. Now we're going to suffer through four And six. now we're going to suffer through four more films. <laughs> um, Hopefully, you know, there's still a, an outside chance that they'll learn from some of it from the first film. I actually go back and look at the feedback because there was I, some good stuff in Avatar. I, I agree. Yeah, no, I do. It was overall, it was average. I'm, I'm not writing off yet. I will make jokes about these sequels until the cows come home because it's it's very low hanging fruit. But the reality is, is that they've had enough time to work on these films to actually make them something that they weren't before. Mm. Yeah. And expand this world and make some something a bit different. So I, I'm I'm all for it. And, and credit where credit's due, I think James Cameron has spent the last 10, 11 years actually nailing the story for the next few sequels. Uh, well, and nailing whichever technology it's going to be filmed in. Yeah, better yeah. hurry up. He's getting on a bit. Holographic, holographic, no glass 3D 4DX or something. Um, but yeah, I just want something new. I want something new. So, I want something original. And I want something from Disney. That's what I want. Talking about new, there's something else coming at Disney Plus. Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. on the 16th of July. War of the World season two. Oh, has anybody watched War of the Worlds? No. So this is this is what we talked about the other week, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This so, is the so it French, wasn't French yeah. co-production, isn't it? That's right. And it was good. I watched that. Finished watching it today, actually, the first season. Uh, it's, it's, it's a get Gabriel Burns in it, and um, oh, what's her name uh, from Downton Abbey, and Once Upon a Time in America. Um, anyway, it's it's good. Um, but they've announced that the second season is coming to Disney Plus. It just aired on Fox last night. Uh, but it's coming to Disney Plus on the 16th of July. So only about five weeks or so to wait that's for that. That's good. Yep. That's good. But it, that's go. no, so what we talked about was because you said it was a fairly recent one. And the only recent one I knew about at that point in time was the one that the BBC made, which, yes. which I was disappointed in. But this is not that. This is a different take on War of the Worlds. It's quite, quite modern, quite different. Yeah, I was going to say the BBC one was set at the time of the book, wasn't it? It was, like yeah. Turn of the century. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is a a, a present day version. It is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, I was going to If we had more time, I'd go into. I was looking at a thing the other day about what's coming up on Disney Plus, like what films and stuff have been mm-hmm. on the platform, and there's quite a lot of. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously back catalogue stuff, but it's still stuff that. Uh, will add value to the service, um, yeah. but I haven't got this in front of me, and we are, we're over time, so yeah. uh, we'll leave that for uh, another episode. But um, okay, I just wanted to uh, thank you guys for being on this episode. Uh, Mr. Ripley sends his regards. He had to go to bed because <laughs> some of us some of us like to have sleep. Call those that? people weirdos, but you know. You do, you do, you. I was look. I I took a picture of myself that I put on the on the After Dark Facebook page the other day of me wearing Crocs and socks in you public with no I, no care in the world because you. you I've got to correct you. You weren't a Croc and a sock 
because it looked like you're the one-legged man. You only took a picture of one of your legs, I if did. I remember right. I did. I only take one picture. I, I didn't see... I mean, I figured if anyone wanted to see the other leg, they just had to mirror the, the image that I'd already posted. Do you know what I mean? My other leg looks very similar to the leg that I did take a picture of. But um, yes, I, I... Yeah. Questions would be asked if there was a, a murder by somebody with only one leg. So that is a, a good point. I do have two legs. Uh, to anyone who cares. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much and hope you enjoyed this episode and we will be back in a couple of weeks for another episode. I believe the plan uh, for that Universal podcast this month is to get on uh, Kate from the Mickey Waffles mm-hmm. because she's planning her first trip. So that will be uber exciting. Because, first time, uh, first yeah. time to Orlando. She needs so, to be sedated before she comes on that episode, though. Uh, well, if she's hanging around with Sinead, she'll probably be highly uh, intoxicated. So that'll yeah. be... That'll be <laughs> it's almost as good, know. right? That could go either way, that. That is true. I've never I seen Kate drunk, so I don't know. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that that is the plan. If it's not going to be this month's episode or next week's episode of, of that Universal podcast, it will be on the one after so keep your eyes and ears open for that one and uh yeah we will see you in two weeks crocs rock not This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.